Welcome to Doc9 Tech Talks, our regular series discussing all things fintech with the leaders and visionaries driving digital change in the financial world. In this first episode, our MD, Mark Lusted, is joined by Buster Tollfree, Commercial Director of United Trust Bank. So, Buster, firstly, thanks a lot for agreeing to take part in, in this interview today. Um, we had a date in the diary, but it's a long time ago to have a catch-up and an interview. And I think yeah. about, uh, the future of mortgage tech and, and fintech and perhaps even more importantly, having a, a lunch and a beer as well. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> now. Um, but I thought, seeing we've had the date in the diary, let's try and do something a bit different. This is our first kind of attempt at kind of a Zoom uh, remote interview. So, um, thank you for being the guinea pig and part of our first, first Zoom interview. So, no problems. And yeah, I'll try and do my best. <laughs> um, yeah, and apologies uh, uh, in advance. I've got uh, three children running around the house creating noise, and, and, and they may bust at any moment. I told them to stay out, but we'll just, uh, <laughs> and it was a complete disaster. Um, just bear, bear with us. So, um, cool. So, I guess, um, you know, we originally were going to talk about uh, uh, the future of technology, particularly around the mortgage space, and how incumbents are, are sort of innovating and adapting. I think you guys are doing some, some really interesting stuff, but I guess. Before we touch on that, um, you know, how are you getting on? You know, how are you and your family, and how are you kind of adapting to the, this current situation? So it's been, um, yeah. Hey, look, anyone with kids at home. So we got two kids, uh, eight-year-old and two-year-old, um, and but both me and my wife work. So it's been a challenge, to say the least, trying to balance work, being a teacher, running a creche, yes. um, potty training. You know, obviously not <laughs> us, the youngest, um, but it's been a, it's been a, it's been a real challenge. So. Um, about four weeks ago, we started trialing working from home, um, which was about two weeks before um, Boris's lockdown announcement. Mm-hmm. So everyone had had a go at it. Um, and I think it would be fair to say we realised fairly quickly that there was a whole load of things, um, you know, from the BCP, you know, disaster recovery plan sort of point of view, um, that we needed to update because it's fine if you just say the building's burnt down, let's go and work in our process. But when the impact is, you can't really social restrictions social movement restrictions it's a totally big challenge so um so we did quite a lot of work and getting everybody set up remotely from a basics like have you got the right hardware sort of um view all the way through to how do we release funds remotely or make sure that it's Do like 
Um, um, but the costs were a little bit higher than we wanted, so we'd just been pushing it out into the um, into the long grass. And then, um, like I said, you know, about about three weeks ago, we realised we needed to come up with a better solution. So, um, we still wanted to try and avoid that cost. Um, so actually, what we did was we we came up with a um, it's a bit bit it's probably more crude than than you'd ideally like, but we're using our existing imaging software um, yeah. and some of their indexing features, just indexing elements of the file. It's not you know, using AI to sort it and all the sort of yeah. the way we want to go. But, um, but it gets us to a point where we can have an underwriter underwrite alone at their kitchen table. Um, they can then pass that file to, you know, a secondary mandate holder who can then, uh, you know, validate that the information is correct and, and, and ultimately at some point pass, you know, issue the offer, um, which we already did, um, you know, email anyway. So that kind of, that element of the process was always already taken care of. Kind of uh, the, the old adage that necessity is the mother of invention, I guess. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think probably the other the other thing that we did um, off of the back of this is we've been you know we've been doing biometric ID um, for about eight or nine months, and it's been really helpful for us in terms of um, speeding up the application process. You know, mitigating some of the fraud risks that, that you carry if you, you get physical copies of things or, or certified copies of things. Um, um, but we've been delivering that through a secure chat channel. So it's not just an ID journey. There's other other opportunities in terms of customer interactions. Yeah. So what we've done is um, um, we've actually moved some of our security checks that we do with customers mm -hmm. prior to loans completing into that secure chat channel. So what effectively that's done is that's taken telephone calls um, where we would call the customer, walk them through the details of the loan, um, validate some information with them. Mm -hmm. um, we've moved that totally into a digital channel and we've built effectively a chat bot um, that does that journey. Um, so I've, you know, we've saved ourselves probably you know, one or two people in terms of um, capacity gain, mm -hmm. um, but it's also utilizing some of the technology that was already there just mm -hmm. in a new way. Um, so that's been, that's, that's been quite good. And that's an industry first. We haven't actually officially done any PR on that yet. So <laughs> here's the scoop. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, but that's, um, but yeah, that's an industry first. So, so quite pleasing. That sounds great. And I guess I was going to touch a bit later around digital ID. We, you know, I think you spoke at our event in October, our mortgage digital transformation event. Um, yep. As an aside, doesn't that feel like a different world in a room with <laughs> people, you know, drinking? Exactly like that. it's, it's a world, it, it really does, yeah. Hopefully, come October, we can uh, we can do another one. But, um, but yeah, no, you, you basically came to the talk around um, how UTB have adopted digital ID and kind of, I think you, you rolled it into one of your products at the time. And I think yeah. You rolled it out to other products. Um, we, we have. We have, yeah. So, so we stopped. We guinea pigged it, I guess, in the mortgage division. And um, but since then, we've we've rolled that out into bridging. So, mm -hmm. um, so certain um, bridging loans, um, you go through a biometric ID journey mm -hmm. um, to validate ID, and also that replaces the need for us to actually um, meet the customer in some certain certain circumstances. So, there's not just a fraud benefit and a like a procedural benefit. There's actually a real um, you know, volume benefit because, you know, it allows us to get to those customers quicker. And mm. um, we've also started using it within our structured finance team mm. and also within development finance. Mm. Now the use case is slightly different for them with mortgages. It's a commoditized product, right? You're doing hundreds of these things every month. Um, but with development lending or bridging, it's not on that same sort of scale. You're dealing in, you know, for bridging 50 apps a month or 50 completions a month for development, it might be 10 or 15 much higher loan sizes. 
um, but but not the. You disappeared. Oh, sorry, there you go. Sorry, somebody <laughs> called me. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, the challenge that those um, those divisions tend to have is um, is the ownership structure of businesses. So they might be lending to a limited company, and the owners um, of those businesses one might be based in Russia, and one might be based in you know Italy, one might be in the States, right. and IDing all of those people when they're based all, potentially all over the globe is yeah. actually a real challenge. So. Mm -hmm. The old way of doing that would be go and visit a, you know, a, a solicitor in your area and we'll rely on them certifying a copy of your passport or whatever. And all of that takes time and energy and effort and is a barrier. And actually by being able to introduce biometric ID into some of those other product sets, mm. um, it wouldn't necessarily make, um, it might have a volume impact, mm -hmm. but it's certainly got a procedural and annoyance benefit. It just makes it so much easier. Yeah, I guess there's a kind of servicing operational cost as well. If you add that up over the year, yeah. like that's quite an obvious, you know, uh, cost you know, efficiency. Yeah. And, and solicitors don't do it for free. So whether we as the bank pay for that or the customer pays for that um, or the broker pays for that, there's a cost to going and getting those things done. Whereas yeah. we can now do it for free in 30 seconds. Yeah. You know? oh, sounds good. So have there been any sort of challenges rolling out? Are brokers kind of embraced uh, uh, letting their customers directly send ideas to you, things like that? How, how's the rollout kind of gone? I think because we've, you know, we're an introducer-led bank, so we don't have a direct proposition. We've got no plans for that. We want to be introducer-led. They're, they're yeah. our, you know, customers as much as the consumer is. Mm. Um, and I think the way that it's been, you know, it's been really positively received. And I think what they're seeing us try to do is make their lives easier. You know, mm. going and getting those, that sort of documentation to send on to us or certifying it and sending it on to us, it's a pain. It takes time and energy and effort. And mm. actually, we're not interfering in their communication with their customer we're doing it as a one hit sort of transaction type um, thing come do your id and then that's it move on mm. um you know we're not trying to step on anyone's toes here we're just trying to facilitate an mm. easier solution um than what was there in the past um mm. there is obviously fraud benefits and you know it looks good doesn't it that you know you're in, you're seen as a you know a firm that wants to embrace that's that sort of technology you know mm. uh and, and that creates a perception of us as a business, which, you know, we want to have, you know, we want to be seen as not necessarily the bleeding edge, but we want to be, you know, we want to be seen as some, as a firm that will embrace that sort of, um, sort of change and, um, where it's right for our business and our customers, you know? Yeah. I think that's actually a really interesting point that, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, there's been early adopters on technology and I think they're, you know, you guys certainly are in terms of digital ID, but others in terms of chatbots and, you know, AI driven bots, et cetera. And I've detected a little bit of, you know, not cynicism, but, you know, people perhaps perceive it as somewhat of a PR exercise or, or similar. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think at the moment, those that have sort of taken those leaps are really kind of, uh, you know, reaping dividends on those and seeing the return. I think yeah. hopefully once this is all kind of uh, over and got back to normal, I think, you know, I guess potentially this would be a driver uh, for others to kind of move forward, forward as well. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think for us as a business, look, we're, we're a specialist bank, okay? So, you know, 1.3 billion pound balance sheet, you know, that's not as big as, you know, anybody in the top 20 lenders in the country, you know, anywhere no, near it. Um, so kind of the depth of our pockets aren't as deep as others. But then having said that, we haven't got the legacy systems to con combat. We haven't got, you know, disparate portfolios to look at or multiple sites to manage. Yeah. You know, so what we try and do is, you know, we use the phrase bang for buck quite a lot. So, you know, if we're going to spend some money, we want to make sure that there's a, 
tangible benefit at the end of it. Um, now, that sometimes an actual process one, sometimes it's a volume one, sometimes it's just a relationship one, mm. but it's got to have a tangible benefit because if we're going to spend the time and energy in, in doing, doing this, it has to, it has to have a benefit yeah. because, you know, we haven't, we're not the scale of business that we can afford to take huge risks. You know, we can take some risks in terms of where we invest our money and, and making sure that we get it right, but, but it has to be bang for buck, you know? Um, and that's why we, we tend to look at, um, people who um, we learn lessons from other mistakes is obviously is good, you know, always yeah. a good, good, good strategy. Um, but what we will always try and do is see that, you know, see what someone is doing somewhere and doing it well, and then try and emulate it to the best of our ability. Yeah. Now the whole biometric ID really started by seeing what Atom Bank were doing. So, you know, when, when Atom came to market, they came with you know, this fantastic proposition, um, you know, around it's an all, it's a totally digital journey through your device. You don't get hard bits of post. You don't send off formal application forms. It's all done through that digital journey. Now yeah. we're not ready to go completely digital and it actually isn't fit for purpose for yeah. bridging or, or development. Mm -hmm. But if we can find a way to utilize some of that, and when you looked at their journey, um, the way that you log into their app using facial recognition or your yeah. voice, um, the way that they do that during the application journey, I experienced firsthand that, you know, I, I, I had an added mortgage and, okay. you know, I was, I was really impressed with, with mm -hmm. the journey. Um, so we used elements that we could, and then we went and found suppliers mm. who kind of were doing that and had the similar sort of approach to us of yeah. wanting to be entrepreneurial, but weren't the biggest in town. So yeah. they, they were hungry for new customers. Mm -hmm. And then we, we partnered with them to kind of, to bring that particular product to market, but we're trying to do it in other areas as well. So things like decision engine yeah. and we're just, we're just about to launch a, uh, or in, in June, we'll be launching a new, um, a new decision platform. And um, that's not something we've really had in the past. We, we do some decisioning online, but not to the level of um, complexity or point of sale value add that we do. Um, is that going to be... But we've picked... Sorry, is that going to be automated dips within your broker portal? Or is that that type of decision? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So another um, we can... You, is this yet another scoop? Is this another scoop? <laughs> uh, We're going to have to edit this out. My marketing team, we're going to hate yep. this. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, so, so basically that's the plan. Yeah, no, we've been, um, I, like some things like we've, we've done, like biometric ID, I think we led the way on that in the specialist sector, but um, we don't currently have an online decision in principle and that's okay. You can get away with that in certain product sets, but if you want to get some scale, then actually you, you need that. And, yeah. We're, we're not a credit score based lender. We're never going to be that. Mm. But there are certain elements of the process that we can automate releasing yeah. our people to make the more value add decisions. Yeah. Um, mm. So, so we've been working on that for the last three or four months and we're about, we're about two, two and a half months away from launch. Um, so it's, it's, it's really going to help us hopefully springboard out of the back of this, you know, coronavirus um, situation when the market and, and help us in our market growth. Mm. But, also, it's about just making life easier. If we can tell a broker up front, not just that, yes, we'll do the deal, but mm. we'll do the deal. You need three months pay slips. Actually, you don't need to have a valuation because we've done an ABM or, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. Then that broker will have a better conversion on the UTB business than he will on others. And, yeah. and if we can make our journey less friction or, or how you know, people talk about frictionless all the time, but if we can have less bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. um, than, than, than others, then maybe that'll make us more mm -hmm. appealing. It's not about doing every deal in the market. We don't want to do every deal in the market, but we want to do the deals we want better. Mm -hmm.
I think that's also the the kind of the you know the the automation of prime market is you know it's been fairly automated for, for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think we are starting to see, and especially as one that we built portal for Mars Haven recently, which has absolutely it, yeah such a thing. So, um, so I think you know the specialist lenders for those simpler specialist cases, if that's not an oxymoron, but uh, no. there are those that need a credit decision. Those are fundamentally, you know, you can capture that. You can use APIs to OVMs. You can you know automate some of this you know decisioning. Uh, so that's that's really exciting. You guys are I, you know, your broker portal at the moment then. So yeah. um, that. Do you want to give a bit of background about that and how useful that's been? Uh, yeah, of course. So, um, so when we launched the mortgage proposition in 2015, um, we had to have a, a you know a, a broker interface, a, you know a portal, or um, you know an opportunity for them to produce documents, get uh, credit, um, sorry, get a loan calculator details, and you know do an affordability decision. And that's basically all it did to start with. Um, we had a limited um, budget new entrant, you know, it wasn't private equity money. We wanted to build the business in a sustainable way. So we started small with something that was quite simple. And, mm -hmm. and then um, what we've done is over the years, we've, we've added to that. So a bit like building your, I think the analogy I used in, in your conference was the, the Lego house. You know, we've, we started off with something like, that looked a bit like Duplo. And mm -hmm. then actually what we've tried to do is build elements on it. So we went through the Lego city range and now we're yeah. probably starting to border on you know, um, techniques, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, you know, we, we're, we've, we've done a number of enhancement phases and we tend to split our developments into two streams. So we do have agile for stuff that is, um, quick, easy. Um, we don't need to do as much planning as you would, would necessarily want to do. And we tend to think of that as, um, smaller change. So, you know, not BAU, but stuff that's smaller, more simple uh, to do. And then we have in the background, we still have a kind of waterfall type approach for the really big stuff. So, um, so using the, um, this new decision engine as an example, we've been running that in the background in more of a waterfall type approach. Okay. Actually, we've got, uh, you know, we've spun up a different um, production pre-prod environment. We've got, we've, you know, we're actually our fourth release into that environment but we're, we're not promoting it all to life because actually we want to have the opportunity to have it all singing all dancing with all the functionality rather than drip yeah. feed that in and we'll roll out you know more slowly so we kind of have this approach where the easier smaller style stuff we, we do we tend to do agile and then the big things where we've got to dedicate maybe a team of people five or six people at it tends yeah. to be more waterfall mm -hmm. um and that's that's worked for us we're on kind of enhancement phase eight um but in between that you know, in four or five years, so probably one every four to six months, something like that. Um, but the stuff that goes in on a more regular basis, oh, we want to tweak this, we want to tweak that, we, you know, yeah. we want to change this field, those sorts of things will all just be going on as BAU, really. Mm. I think that's, yeah, that also kind of reflects the, the, the reality of the market that, you know, Agile is a great methodology and has lots of benefits and, you know, for greenfield development works great and for, you know, iterating over time and, you know, a big chunk of the work that we do is, is, is kind of fully Agile. Um, but where you have other system vendors, which incumbents do, you have your other system providers and kind of other parts of the business that aren't working in an agile way. We're using that methodology. Then there has to be a bit of real politics think, about that and a bit of realism about what, what's possible. It sounds like there's always a level of an element of fusion of the two kind of methodologies. So it sounds like you guys have got a good, a good balance, uh, balance with that. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I just want to ask a question, actually. You mentioned earlier on you, um, that you guys did the development from Master Portal, yeah. and they were the they were the first people to market um, with kind of a bridging 
an online bridging, um, yeah. you know, self-service type proposition. But I think that's a really good example of, um, you know, the specialist market is a quirk, right? It's not a sausage machine. It's not nationwide, but there are still elements of it that you, that you can automate. And, um, you know, we think about document production, you know, or, or a dip in a bridging world. Yeah. You know, actually there are some of those that are more straightforward than others. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, just, I think, do you think you're, oh, sorry, do you think there'll be more specialist lenders that bring those types of products to market? Yeah, I think it's inevitable competition. Like when one, when one lender does it, I think that creates, you know, being first to market is good, but I think it creates that, uh, you know, there's an efficiency saving that, that any lender that, that adopts that uh, uh, can get, which is great. But there's also, I guess, a kind of marketing and positioning, you know, mm. able to market yourself to brokers, offering them a, a quick instant solution uh, for those simpler cases. Interesting, when we tested uh, these types of solutions with brokers, the brokers were sort of saying that, you know, some cases they know are going to be uh, need a credit decision. So what they mm -hmm. want is the ability to flag up at the beginning and say, hey, look, this isn't going to be an auto dip. Like, I know this one uh, needs to be looked at by someone. So they did ask for that kind of ability. Yeah. To that thought was interesting um but i think yeah we are, i think it's, it's okay more the market's gonna uh, go in that direction um i mean for your genuinely gen your, your your cases are so specialist that they need to be they need to have that human intervention that human decision i guess our principle is well actually that's great human beings add lots of value around that uh, that that decision but the rest of the life cycle you know your digital id your generated <laughs> documents your all the rest of that the value chain you know um you want to free up human beings to not be doing that manual work. Uh, so I think yeah. there's still a big, you know, argument for digitizing that process as much as possible. Um, yeah. Interesting times ahead, I guess. And do, you, sorry. Do, you, do you see that as, um, so, so one of the things, that you, you know, we see in the marketplace is lenders have invested a lot of time and energy in their own, um, in their own portals. So being quite sort of focused on what we're doing, like where have we got API links, where can we, uh, you know allow brokers to interface with us um mm -hmm. and it's been, but it's been very sort of lender 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 focused mm -hmm. but then over the last kind of 18 months you've seen people like 27 tech who yeah. um you know who arguably are kind of um disintermediating that somewhat by saying actually you know what you can source on us and then you can produce the docs on us and then we'll just dump it into the lender system for you do you yeah. think there's that you'll see more of those like central platforms come up that will just integrate into a lender's back office and almost the broker facing side of a of the lenders portal will start to drop away yeah that sort of view that we've got it's been, it's been kind of an obvious thing for a few years in the in the pipeline there's been existing products that do fairly similar things for mortgage brain and others for for quite a while and um, iris have the lender connect and, and there are others in the market i think yeah. um it hasn't really gained that much traction over the last year just because you know, if you look at the market, so much volume goes through the big six and they haven't really yeah. been that far forward on this curve. So from a broker <coughs> perspective, you know, why am I going to want to adopt and like have this learning curve of new technology? How, you know, although it will save me time, uh, potentially if it's only for, you know, a slither of the market. So but what we are starting to see, and there's been some big announcements over the last couple of weeks, actually, with 27Tech and, and some big lenders and other uh, yeah. platforms is, I really do think, and I said, you know, I think I said our, our, our event uh, in October as well, uh, that 2020, it does feel like the dam is potentially kind of breaking. And I think it's fair to, and you know, that the innovation will start to yeah. in the mortgage market. And I think um, on that point, I think maybe you disagree, but I think it's fair to say, that the mortgage market is a few years behind in terms of technology compared to mm -hmm. other sectors that we work in, particularly around insurance.
Brooks and others. Um, yeah. And I mean, actually, potentially this situation here, much as it forced you know, your hands in terms of uh, uh, you know, digital documents and having a paperless office, do you think this is going to be the kind of the, the, the unexpected black swan that could potentially, you know, really kind of push this forward in the industry? Or do you think once this is back gone and we're kind of back to some normality that people will just kind of revert to type? I think, uh, so no, I think there will be some lasting stuff in this. So, um, you know, you, you opened up by saying we were due to meet and, uh, and, and go through some of these questions and, um, and it wasn't in your mindset or mine to be like, actually, let's do it like over a yeah. Zoom or a Google Meet or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. But now people are doing that all the time. You look at house party, like, you know, everyone's yeah. having a house party on a Friday night, yeah. you know, raising a glass. I had a, a chat with my best man on um, just FaceTime, but on Friday night. Now, normally yeah. we would never do that. Yeah, um, we'd go and meet down the pub, or that might get rearranged, and I'd see him once every yeah. three months. But actually, why don't we just spend half an hour and do yeah. that like that? Yeah. Now it could be. We were talking to uh, I was talking to my mum about it, but it could be a generational thing. You know, mm. she loves FaceTime. You know, in her mid sixties and really likes that. And actually, um, you know, I sort of almost before this viewed it as a like FaceTime is almost like a treat. Like I would text or, or call. Yes, but I wouldn't really FaceTime very often, no. or I wouldn't use Zoom for meetings. Yeah. You know, I'd have to go in a broker's office or I'd have to, you know, go in and meet the supplier or ask them to come down to London or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And certain industries, I think, are this sort of, you know, um, communication. So my wife works in um, resourcing and, mm -hmm. uh, and recruitment and they do pretty much everything over Zoom. She doesn't actually have an office um, yeah. and they have live chat for, for, for conversations. And so she's got her email, she's got a live chat, she's got a Zoom, like all of these things going on at once. Mm. But you don't see that in the mortgage space, do you? Mm. You don't, you know, there's been a few cases of like nationwide giving advice over, you know, online where you can sort of view another human being, but that human being was still in a nationwide office somewhere, yes. you know? So, so, you know, I think those sorts of things, whether we see it more decisioning or, mm. you know, real true new tech, I don't know, but I certainly think from a communication point of view, Mm. This has blown the doors off a little bit in, in terms of what it's forced people to do. And um, on the balancing side of that, um, you know, certainly like from a welfare perspective, you know, we've got all of our staff working from home, as every company has, if they haven't been furloughed. Um, you know, so how do you look after your staff welfare? That's a whole set of challenges there that you've not really had before. You know, BDMs might be based from home, but they're seeing brokers every day. But now suddenly yeah, that's quite a personal relationship driven you know that's a key part of what they what they do how are your bdms adapting to they are they utilizing facetime and calling their that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah so so um so you know from a meetings point of view mm. um a lot of them would pick up the phone but now they're starting to move to kind of a facetime or um you know a, like a live chat sort of um, yeah. sort of sort of approach um you know, obviously the, the market's restricted a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of brokers aren't maybe as busy as they were. And certainly some of the bigger firms maybe are looking to furlough some staff for, for, for a period of time until we, until we come out the other side. But um, I really think these sorts of interactions are, are going to become more and more so. Like, mm -hmm. I think webinars, webinars are like a thing, aren't they? They're a marketing yeah. thing. Um, and they came, came out, you know, a few years ago, but you don't really see it as much on a one-to-one -one basis. Mm -hmm. um, and even I would go so far as to say when we've had people come in and pitch us and they've wanted to pitch us over, over like this sort of a, sort of a, a, an interaction, we thought that was a bit negative. Like, actually, why can't you be bothered to come and see us? Yeah. Come down to the office or we'll come to you or whatever. Like, yeah. why would you not want to do that? Mm. But having to do it now, being forced to do it now, actually sort of 
takes off those blinkers a little bit and you think, you know what, this is quite a good way of communicating. Yeah. And if I didn't waste an hour and a half traveling on the train to Manchester and costing me 200 quid and then half an hour from the train station to the place for an hour meeting and then back, I've lost the whole day. Because yeah. actually I could have done an hour's meeting in this sort of way mm. and it's far more productive, um, you know, Plus, I can do it sat around with, you know, a shirt and tie on and just a pair of shorts in the house or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, you, you can, I think it will. Open. That's good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I do think, it, you know, communication, I think this will have a, an effect on society. Um, but we need to balance that with people need, need people. You know, you want to, being in the room with someone is a different interaction than, than this. And, and I think we need to think about, from our point of view, we're doing quite a lot on staff welfare. Like you've got all these people working desperately, you know, having two kids and a wife at home has been, you know, lovely and challenging at times. Um, but if you lived on your own or, mm. you know, you haven't got kids or, you know, yeah. how do you keep yourself um, sane? You know, you, you need some human contact, real human contact, not just, yeah. um, you so know, not just this. That, you kind of, because we, we've, you know, obvious stuff we're doing like Friday afternoon. We always you know, have a bit at the end of the day in the office anyway. So we're doing that kind of remotely, yeah. uh, which is what I think people need, especially as you say, for people that don't have, you know, a house full of people that, you know, to have that human kind of contact in, yeah. virtually. It's really so important. it's a, so it's a challenge. So we, we've got, you know, we started off with conference calling um, and then quickly found that actually um, seeing people is, is much better than just conference calling. So we've moved to that pretty quickly. What we're also doing is, um, you know, we've got our standard WhatsApp groups, but we set up a new one um, and all we do is post videos in it. So not like your, your meme type okay. videos, like, I mean, an actual video of one of us. So okay. like, at, the, at, the, at the end of um, we kind of loosely call it Buster's postcards, which sounds a bit cheesy, but okay. the idea is um, at the end of every day, I'll do a short three or four minute video of like, what we've been up to today, what's gone well, yep. what's the challenges, um, like you would if you were in the office sort of thing. Yes. And then, um, Every day, um, there's a challenge. So, for example, um, the first day, um, one of our sales guys, uh, Chris Pedler, came up with the idea of giving an update from a BDM working at home's point of view. Yeah. So he did a little update, and then at the end of his video, he challenged one of the uh, underwriting managers, um, who is a big fan of karaoke, to sing a Spandau Ballet song. So he then did that and then gave a little update on kind of what it was like for him working from home. Yeah. And, then, um, you know, there's been various things like the toilet roll, keep you up your challenge and, you know, various other silly things. But mm. it's just a way of us, you know, continuing to have that interaction with people. And all right, it might not be two way, but mm. you're seeing people, you're getting a feel for what their challenges are. Mm. You know, one of the, one of the underwriters um, had a small laptop um, and we all have two screens in the office. Mm -hmm. So what he worked out was how to connect his laptop to a, you know, his TV in his bedroom, mm -hmm. um, which he brought down onto the dining room table so that he could effectively have two screens. So he did a little like top tips video of how you do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's little things, but it's just mm -hmm. trying to keep people interacting um, yeah. during this period of time. And I think some of the stuff will pend over. So like video calling, I think will, will pend over, yeah. but obviously. Yes. Oh, you've gone again. I had another call there. Sorry, uh, um, the guy. I have I feel a bit left out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, but but some things I think won't. You know, ultimately you want your, your people in a group together. Yes. But using this sort of interaction to complement that, I think. Yes, I guess part of that sounds also really good ideas. I guess 
the unknown at the moment is just how long it's going to go on for. Uh, so I'm an optimist in life generally, and you know, if we think in the next month or six weeks, uh, if we can come back to some form of normality, there definitely will be lessons learned and things we can adopt yeah. to. to uh, I mean, at the moment, I, I have a four-hour round trip every day to the office, uh, so I'm getting a lot of time back now. And it's, mm. it's a cliche, but on a personal level, it's been great. You know, I've got six months yeah. old. And, five and a seven year old so it's been great to see more of them in the morning and evening and that's you know definitely positive i am still a believer uh that you know especially when you've got developers and designers yeah running workshops face to face and that kind of you know you get a kind of creative flow going when you're in absolutely a yeah i think we will still need that but certainly i think uh you know it's definitely we've proven that another channel works and how we can kind of maybe make a judgment call moving forward on you know how often do we really need to be in the office versus uh, yeah one so um probably i think working from again in a month's time when we're back in the office say hey you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I like working from home you, you you know there's always that you know oh you're working from home today are you yeah, yeah. you're not really doing much are you? yeah, yeah. actually um you know i think this sort of thing will break that and mm. one of the things we looked at when we had some license problems before we'll have our licenses have come through we were looking at well what about if we do four days on um and then you know, you, you effectively condense the week down. So you work your normal week, but you do like four, 10 hour days and yeah. then forget the weekends exist. And then someone else will do three days okay. and then someone, do you know what I mean, looking at that sort yeah. of pattern. So I think things like flexible working, yeah. the, this sort of experience will open up the, the doors to that in some industries where it's not really widely accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be definitely a plus point. I guess if we, you know, we've covered digital ID, automated decisioning, this kind of cold new Kind of culture, I guess, of kind of video calling and uh, how that's going to affect business. If we, you know, if you put your get your crystal ball out, Buster's crystal ball, <laughs> out, you know, uh, the next few years of mortgage technology. Aside from what's happened, I guess the point of what's happened uh, in the situation at the moment is it might drive some of that to happen quicker. But what do you think are kind of other technologies or other even things you see in other industries that you think that the, the mortgage sector in particular could, you know, and lending could could sort of benefit from? Yeah. Um, so I think there's. You know, there's quite a lot of people out there doing one or two things quite well, but nobody does everything really well. You know, if you if you rewound, um, you know, 10 years, 15 years, there were some lenders like GMAT was the first ever lender to do a point yeah. of sale offer. And yeah. that was like back in 2006. Yes. So, you know, this is not new stuff. You know, this is not new, new stuff. But mm. that's all. You know, they did that one thing, um, but they didn't do all of the other stuff that went with it. And I think it's hard to, you know, the, the two year horizon is is easier when you start looking forward further than that kind of you know five years or, or or ten years you start to get into it's hard to imagine you know you only know what you know you you, you know that th th we talked earlier on about the blinkers coming off well yeah. if lamreg moved to a blockchain model mm -hmm. um well that's going to have a that would have a huge impact um you know you'd have total revolution in this you know solicitors market would change mm -hmm. you know you wouldn't have all these multiple title insurances or indemnity insurances getting bought at every point maybe you just buy one and it travels with the property you know mm -hmm. so so i think those sorts of things are hard to envisage beyond like just throwing stuff out in the air yes what I, what I would like to see is that it becomes a bit more of a level playing field so you know okay. 20 years ago everybody had application forms everybody requested three original pay slips you know i think we're moving into an environment now within the next five you fast forward five years everyone will have an online decision everyone will be using you know income verification without pay slips you know maybe some form of open banking or just an yeah. income verification mm -hmm. um you know everyone will be using um avms more and supplementing mm -hmm. that with just 
um, uh, normal valuations on higher risk cohorts, but to an extent that's beyond the current usage. Well, now, the moment, you, old market's completely stopped, isn't it? People can't physically go and do valuation. Exactly. That's kind of an obvious thing. That, that, uh, it's even worse in Scotland. So on the, about a week and a half ago, the Scottish Register or the Register of Scotland just shut. Absolutely shut. So right. you can't, there, there is no property registrations currently happening in Scotland. Mm. Um, uh, you know, think about what would happen in England and Wales if that mm. happened. Yeah. You know, we, no one's really talking about it, but it's a massive, it's a massive issue. And, you know, why is that not being done electronically? Why is that not being done in a, yeah. um, in, in a more nimble way? And um, so I'd like to see, you know, the lender, uh, from a lender's point of view, the, um, the landscape being a bit more even and just everybody understanding that this is the way that we do business now. Yeah. And then that will breed more innovation. So it won't just be a case of, oh, I've got a cool decision engine or I've got an integration with this firm over here. Or um, it will start to breed things that we haven't really even sort of we can't we almost can't currently comprehend um you know if someone had said to you 20 years ago you could do this sort of thing before text had even been invented they would they would have yep. laughed you out of the room yes yeah i guess the interesting thing is things like to that point digital id that you've adopted you know you didn't have to go and invent a whole new digital id platform and you know yeah. millions and millions in r d you know, there are a number of services out there that we've uh, sort of integrated with and you can roll this technology into your journeys for very low cost, actually. Yeah. The, 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 the technology platforms have had investment and their whole return on investment is around getting scale of people using their platforms. So, you know, digital ID, AVMs and others, there are APIs out there that you can kind of plug into. And I guess to your point, you know, ultimately products and differentiates, you know, uh, different lenders and etc. Yeah. And at the moment, it's you know, it's product, there's technology, there's convenience, that, that kind of triangle. Um, yeah. So I guess it'll be an interesting few years as some of this stuff becomes like productized into platforms. You know, your 27 techs with uh, an iris kind of in building some of the stuff into even some of the platforms that lenders uh, use. Mm -hmm. that lenders have a lot of challenges around uh, you know, legacy platforms and, and others. Uh, those that haven't built stuff bespoke. So I think you know that that sort of stuff. Um, I completely agree. I think that 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 will. Um, it's kind of the obvious stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You don't know is you don't, the unknown. You know, what innovative it, products could be developed, you know? Exactly. Um, I mean, one of the things that, you know, we don't want to have happen, you yeah. don't want it to become so standardized that it's just every lender or every broker is just a different label on the same yeah. tin. You know, yeah. everyone's got baked beans. It's just some are Heinz, some are Tesco, some are Marks Spencer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want it to go that far. Um, but equally, I think that, you know, the nature of the beast is, you know, people will want to differentiate in other ways. That might be risk appetite, that might be product features, that might be 101 different things. But, um, mm -hmm. but I think the more that we can get to a landscape where consumers just understand to get a mortgage, I do these things, um, you know, and everybody, you know, everybody has an online offering, everybody does income insert, you know, ver verification or options on those sorts of things. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, there is quite a disparity. If you go to one lender, it's a 18 page physical application form and a full valuation that comes back and it's 40 pages long. And yeah. then the next lender, it's an online, you know, it's an app, it's, it's Atom, it's an app and it's a, yeah. a, an AVM and it's just very different, um, very different approaches. So I think a bit more standard, standardization is ultimately that will grow the market. The easier it becomes, mm. the market will get bigger. You might see consolidation, but, but ultimately the market will get bigger. Mm. Cool. So I'm conscious of your time. So I've thought about your time, but, um, no worries. Really, really, uh, really useful. I mean, uh, as a kind of final sort of area that we uh, that we've been looking at at the moment, and certainly over the last couple of years, people have talked about artificial intelligence as something that potentially could have an impact on in the industry from a, I guess, from an underwriting perspective, uh, mm -hmm. also from a servicing perspective. 
from us, it's actually been really interesting the last two weeks. The conversations are really moving forward around kind of leveraging AI for chatbots. Uh, yeah. uh, so it's similar to the digital ID uh, point earlier, you can build a chatbot fairly uh, quickly now using some mm -hmm. Microsoft Bot Framework or others. Uh, and everyone's call volumes have gone through the roof at the moment. <laughs> And yeah, what we've been looking at is, you know, a lot of those calls don't really need a human being to answer. Yeah. Uh, and if your call lines are, you know, uh, are completely stacked, uh, um, could AI uh, uh, help there by spinning up chatbots relatively quickly and rolling out to the market to, to, to help? Is, I mean, is AI something you're, you, you guys have a view on um, or thinking about for the future? So interesting, you should say within a kind of a, a chatbot scenario. That's exact. We are. That is something that we're looking at. Um, okay. I think. I think if you, you know, if you'd have asked a lot of mortgage lenders um, that have had to really restrict volume or pull out of the market entirely simply yeah. under the deluge of three-month payment holiday calls, mm. um, in a month's time, are you going to be pulling out of the market because you can't handle inbound calls? They'd have said, "No way. We've got call centers for that, or we've got." You know, we can deal with it, don't we? I mean, the volume would have to be ridiculous. Well, yeah. I saw a stat the other day that uh, Nationwide had had 200 payment holidays in 2019. And in one week, they had 48,000 calls about it. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, how can you plan for that? But yeah. if, they'd have, if they'd have been able to come out and put a message on the website or, or put a message out in the press and said, if you want a payment holiday, you know, go online, click this feature, request it, you know, and they could have built, a, you know, a, using AI a digital journey to to give that customer what they needed yeah. they wouldn't have got 48,000 telephone calls mm. you know mm. and it's very hard it's very hard to predict that. I mean who, who would have predicted that but yeah. but using that as an example we can facilitate um, you know answering certain types of queries in that way I think yeah. um, the guys at Kensington have done a fantastic job implementing um, you know AI into you know, and their new inquiry chatbot. So brokers can go online, they type in a query in a Kensington website mm. and, it, and it gets answered. And you're right, you've got to educate it still and there's to be human monitoring settings. It won't ever get everything right. But yeah. if we can use that, it's an immediate answer. Person, the broker doesn't have to call up and wait on the line. They can do it in front of the customer while they're, while they're doing their advice sale at the same time. Yeah. I mean, so there's, so there's all that sort of upside. So for, for us, we think there's a big opportunity in using AI in that particular stream. Um, I mentioned earlier on that we're also looking at, you know, sorting um, documentation using AI because then we don't have to have a human being say, oh, that's a payslip, yeah. that's a vowel, that's a thing. You can just sort it into a, into a digital file much more easily. So I think there's applications for that, um, you know, and, and again, for us, it'll be what's the bang for buck? Where do we get our, yeah. our benefit? Um, but um, so I... Uh, People entering the room. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so, yeah. For us, it's about bank for about where can we utilise that um, uh, to the best of our ability. But I think you'll see more of that now. I think yep. you'll see, definitely see more of that. Definitely. Good. Well, I guess that's a positive, uh, positive place to end uh, for today. Uh, before I've got people knocking doors as well trying to get in. So, uh, uh, so yeah. Just probably, thanks a lot for your time today. <laughs> um, you have taken part in a moment of history, the first Doc Nine Zoom interview. So uh, thank you for partaking that experiment. Um, and <laughs> let's try and catch I think, up. I think we should congratulate ourselves, Mark. We, we need to congratulate ourselves more for getting through this without having any kids enter the room. There's exactly. been no like shouting. We've done a fantastic job here. So so well, well done to us both. <laughs> yeah, I actually pressed record. That would that would be. A... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, yeah. So thanks again, and hopefully next time. 
hopefully we can meet up in person and have a beer and you know look back at this period as an interview and move forward together brilliant all right buster we'll take care and i'll speak to you soon absolutely all right. yeah. thanks Mark.